Welcome, you are listening to Ladies Who Genre, a podcast book club for ladies and not ladies who like to genre now and then. I'm your host, Morgan. And I'm your other host, Noelle. This is not a spoiler-free podcast, so if you'd rather not get spoilers, go ahead and turn back now. (laughs) Trigger warning if you do need something like this. This book does contain a whole bunch of battle sequences, which do have blood and gore described in them. It's not really that bad, but definitely if that's not your jam, then it's not your jam. This week, we're discussing Hounded by Kevin Hearn, which is the first book of the Iron Druid Chronicles. Which, if I understand correctly, you are hype on. I am mad hype on this. This is my third favorite book series. Although I read a whole bunch of, like, critical stuff about the, well, this book, but also the series in general while I was getting ready for this podcast. And now I'm like, oh, I'm sad. <laughs> eh, that's okay. I mean, you can have nostalgic feelings or like memories associated with a book or a series and that's not necessarily the same as what you might critically think of the series yeah I don't critically think about this series that's (laughs) the thing is I don't I don't think about this series critically at all like at all (laughs) so for our top shelf pairing what are you drinking this week Tullamore Dew, Irish whiskey, of course. This is what the Iron Druid drinks, so I have me a whiskey on the rocks. Irish, of course. I'm not a fan of Scotch or American whiskey. I was totally thinking literally the exact same brand for mine, but uh, I don't have any and I didn't feel like going to get it. So instead, I am drinking Aquavit from our local Old Ballard distillery, and Aquavit is Scandinavian, not Irish, but you know, it's, it's fine. It's Irish <laughs> it's adjacent. what I have. <laughs> and that's yeah. gotta do. I actually have it in with a like warm ginger spiced tea because oh. it's cold and I want to be warm and yeah yeah I don't know that it matches but uh, I'm enjoying it with this podcast. It does match because they talk about how much they hate Thor and Thor is Scandinavian. <laughs> Bingo. I nailed it. I'll take it. Yeah let's do it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how have you been? I have not seen you in a million years. I hadn't thought about that very hard. I think I'm good. I'm very busy. I'm somehow busier during COVID than I've ever been before in my entire life. I think I got that bug where you're like, oh my God, I have a year off and it's COVID and I can't leave and I have all this time and I can finally do all the things I thought I would do when I had time. No, you can't physically do that. Actually, there's too many things. And also I started like another channel and a podcast in. So yeah, I'm busy. You are very excellent at making yourself busy. I've noticed. I'm really good at it. <laughs> if you're if you have a, a tiny block of time that's not filled, you find a project to fill it. It's a skill. I do. I do, and it is. And I, I keep wondering, like, oh, does this mean I'm emotionally disconnected because I'm feeling my no, no, I'm not. I'm totally emotionally connected to everything all the yeah. time too. No, you you just got like a project manager heart and you're I do. project managing yourself yeah. into peak. <laughs> As Abby would creation. say, that's my inner Capricorn wailing out into the universe. How about you? How are you doing? I am doing absolutely fantastic. I quit my day job, whoop, whoop, yes. whoop, which is very exciting. And I'm I'm just, just happy <laughs> living my life. I've also been really, really productive the past few days, getting kind of my own stuff in order that I want to happen. And before I kept saying, no, I, I don't, I don't have time to devote like a full day to this. Now mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I totally do. I absolutely yes. have time to devote a full day to this. So all around, big, happy smiles, great moods, all up in this space. Guess who's about to have a case of the, I'm filling all my time up because I finally have time to do all that stuff. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> That's possibly going to happen. 
So let's talk about the opening line of this book. Let's. It starts with, there are many perks to living for 21 centuries, and the foremost among them is bearing witness to the rare birth of genius. And then he goes on to discuss how Galileo is his personal favorite of all the people that he has seen birth rare genius, apparently. Yeah. I think it's supposed to like tell you how old he is and how many cool famous people he's name dropping Galileo. This is a good intro into the Iron Druid because he's kind of cocky like that. Yeah. No, I mean, it's definitely meant to be kind of a, a place setting scene, scene setting. There we go. <laughs> Image yeah. for us so that we can tell he old AF because magic. Yeah. Because magic. Actually, because because tea. Idris. Yeah, immortality. Which, it's very curious the tea thing, and you know, I'll we'll get into that a bit more later. Yeah, I think because yeah. <laughs> I have I have some qualms with this tea. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> but let's just let's go into the book in general for right now. So our main character Atticus O'Sullivan, which is I believe not his actual name name. It's like his current modern day nom de plume. It's the anglicized version of his Irish name because he is in fact Irish. But he is currently living in Arizona, which is fun. Arizona feels like not a place for druids, but that's exactly that's where he's at. The point, actually. Yeah, it's somewhere where like, you know, there's not mystical forests full of fae because he's like, nah, get them away from me. So, you know, he's trying to go like a super non-magical place yeah. with not a lot of gods and such. Very handy. I think his real name is Sheahan O'Sullivan. Mm-mm. He's hanging out there. He's got a bookshop. Very, very hip young but also absolutely not young dude again we'll get into it he's got a happy little irish wolfhound which is so cute and makes me very happy and i'm into it uh, there's also he's he talks about his various what's the word when you have an enemy for life nemesis yes <laughs> he talks about his his nemesis situation who's currently kind of after him he's got some goddesses visiting him he's got a lot going on mm-hmm he does have a lot going on. Um, he's also, he mentions pretty early on how he has this sword that he stole from Angus Og, who is one of the Irish pantheon of gods. And he also discusses those gods in great detail about how they became the gods. So in, in Irish folklore, the gods aren't originally gods. Like they are not absolutely immortal forever. They are people who got basically so much fame and worship in their day and age that they got elevated to being gods, essentially. But they can, in fact, be killed. I think when they are killed, they end up going to the planes that the gods themselves manage, (laughs) which is like, Mm -hmm. so you get sent back home, but you're not really dead. So anyway, he stole a sword from one of these guys. And this is this starts out the story about, you know, what this whole book is going to be about eventually. Yeah. The, I mean, it's it's very sword focused. <laughs> it is a very the entire way focused. <laughs> How surprising for <laughs> the male like, author. Frogger-a? Yeah, Fragara. He <laughs> a male author writes about a sword a lot. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> Speaking of male author, he also writes about how amazingly sexy and mm-hmm. fantastic and awesome that main character is. Oh yeah. A lot. Yeah, yeah. He does. He's he's super <laughs> into Atticus and he's super into all the gods and goddesses and also Atticus's girlfriend and <laughs> every, even Oberon's kind of sexy in his own way. He's he's trying to yeah. get get I mean, it down with some all Lighthouse, yeah. very sexy. Yeah. <laughs> So this this is a it's not a sexy time book, but there is some sexy times in this book for sure. 
I do appreciate that if you're going to have sex scenes in a book, mm-hmm. you, well, I should, let me, let me rephrase, not sex scenes, but you know, these characters have sex, but it's not described in It's detail. not graphic at all. Yeah. I super appreciate that. I do too. Mostly because I'm like, no, nah, I don't care. Either I want a book to be a romance book yeah. and therefore all the sex mm-hmm. is totally fine. Yeah. Or I would like it to not be a romance book. And if relations happen, <laughs> they can just be like, yeah. And then they woke up t- entangled in the sheets. Yeah. I, Move on. I am not- notoriously in agreement with that. I find uh, sex scenes in audiobooks specifically freaking horrible because invariably I'm driving down the freeway. And all of a sudden his bulging member appears and you're just like, no, I am driving down the, I can't, no, stop. Not right now. For so many different reasons, like, or you're in a car and you're listening to it with your buddy trying to show them how awesome this book is or how awesome is. You forgot about that scene. (laughs) And then suddenly everybody's looking at each other, super awkward side eye. So like, no, I just, I wish people wouldn't, like every urban fantasy novel has one sex scene in it. And it's real annoying when they describe it. So Angus Og has had this sword stolen from him by Atticus. He is pissed. And thus far, he has been sending his lackeys to try to get this sword back from Atticus. But he's not really willing to come down from Mamel or wherever he is, like the Irish Plains, to come get mm-hmm. the sword himself. So he's been sending this crew of people to come fetch the sword. And the first set of people that we find in this book, I believe is a set of witches and druids do not like witches just as a rule. And it's because (laughs) there's this whole big thing about consorting with demons. And like, everybody's like consort means to have sex with not have any kind of other relations with. So he goes off about that for a while, but anyway, they consort with demons (laughs) and that sort of thing. Basically they're evil and they do evil things. And so he just generally doesn't like witches. He does in fact meet good witches in this book, which is kind of awesome. Like he does show that there are good witches and bad witches. It is kind of neat just character and and book story wise to, to have the main character be negative or I guess have negative associations with a certain type of people and then to meet people that change that opinion or oppose that opinion like that's kind of cool I don't know it's neat it's nice to see in a story I find one of the things like it's it's actually one of the critical things that people write about Atticus is that he's almost perfect because he can draw draw power from the earth so as long as he is in contact with the planet so he can't be on concrete or anything but as long as he's on dirt, he can draw power to do just about anything. So he's basically Superman as long as he's barefoot, which is kind of yeah, crazy. Keep him out of an airplane and he's good to go. Yeah. So that's a criticism of this book is like he's too perfect and therefore it's boring. But I actually find that one of the things that you learn through this book and through the series in general is that the reason he's like this is because he is willing to learn and he is willing to grow and he is willing to adapt his behavior at all times. Like he's basically, he acts like a dude bro and he's a dude bro through most of this series and through most of this book. Although every now and then he switches out of it and you can see him and you hear his thoughts. So you know that he's not really a dude bro, but how he acts to everybody else is that way. So he learns and he grows and he changes. And so he mimics other people and the way that the times are at the time that it is so that he can hide in plain sight amongst people. And the reason that he is in Arizona specifically is because the Irish gods 
of which Angus Oge is, needs three different kinds of trees to grow because they essentially travel the plains through trees. So if you think mm-hmm. about even um, like the world tree in the Norse mythology, yeah, they actually use the tree of life to go through to the nine different plains in North Norse also. So if you want to travel to Earth or between spots in Earth, you have to go through the Irish Plains and you do that through trees. And so Arizona, where he lives, doesn't have any trees. It doesn't have the... Lots of saguaros, but uh, not a lot of trees. It doesn't have the three kinds of trees that you would need in order for those people to travel. So basically, he's found a place that has made it very inconvenient for Angus Oak to show up and try to take this sword away from you. Frogrel is a very interesting sword because it has a couple different powers, one of which it's called the Frogrel means the answerer, because if you hold it at someone's throat, they cannot lie to you. Uh, also, they are like bound, like they can't move either, which I find super interesting. And oh, so it's basically a lasso, lasso of truth. Yeah, it's exactly like the lasso of truth. So, <laughs> and it has a couple other powers. Um, and so, you know, it's it's one of those Irish folklore sor- swords that like Angus Ode needs to get back just like as a matter of principle. Like it, he doesn't even probably really care about it that much, but it's it like he's not. It's a, like, how dare you? Yeah, how dare you? So I have to go get it, but I don't really feel like going to get it. So I'm going to send my lackeys to do that. <laughs> so this has been going on a while. Anyway, this witch shows up and she asks for an arrangement in which he can provide her with a tea that will make her unattractive to her boyfriend because she wants to break up with him. Unbeknownst to him, the boyfriend is Angus Og, and she's using, she says, this is like, this is like a triple cross situation. Anyway, yeah, it's real weird. She, says, it changing. she says that she, she wants this and it, that the boyfriend is actually Angus Og, And so she's going to like humiliate Angus Og with this, but it turns out that Angus Og has actually just started this whole thing basically to get her to draw him out so that he can get Fragra. It's a lot for a sword is what I have to say. <laughs> but yeah, part of me is like, Angus, just come get it. Like Exactly. What, like Why do you need to do this this whole thing? Come I mean, on, well, he does come get it and then he gets his ass handed to him. <laughs> that's fair. Maybe he knew that would happen. And therefore, that's why he kept sending lackeys. I, I suppose I could see that. So the whole like, I would say the first two thirds of the book is all a comedy of like funny errors because there's this guy who's 2100 years old. He has a pack of werewolves in his employ because they are his attorneys. And one of the other attorneys is a vampire who basically he gives him his 21 year old blood in a mug because he can heal himself with the planet. So he can cut himself all he wants. So he gives him the blood and that pays for his legal services. So he's basically got the best lawyers in town. So can I just say like how gosh darn clever it is to have werewolves and vampires team up as a legal law office for 24 seven because werewolves if they have full moon and they need to do the whole wolf thing at night cool vampires got them covered at night Mm -hmm. and then vice versa vampires sleeping during the day werewolves can cover the day like oh so good it's fantastic (laughs) like the the, like character development in this book in these books is absolutely hysterical and it's pretty well thought out actually so he's got like the best lawyers in the world And so all these things happen and we have this 2100 year old druid who's like trying to just function in the world without getting noticed by humans, right? He's brewing moderately magical teas for people. He does encounter other supernatural people. And for some reason they walk in the door and he either knows that they are already that thing, whatever that thing is, or these people just disclose what they are immediately to each other. And I'm like, why would you do that? Like, (laughs) If I was a werewolf and I walked up to somebody and I was not wolfed out, I wouldn't be like, hi, I'm a werewolf. <laughs> but they seem to do this sort of stuff. So, 
anyway, it's a comedy of errors of, of him trying not to get caught by the police uh, for, for a whole bunch of different things. Uh, other gods and goddesses show up because they want to get involved in this fight because apparently Angus Og is kind of a jerk and the other uh, goddesses of the Irish Plains, Briet, who is in charge, she's first among the Fae. She doesn't like Angus Og and wants him to lose this battle and wants Atticus to hang out. Also, the thing that they don't really talk about in this book, but you will get to know better in the rest of the series if you choose to read it, is like how important druids are. And he is the last druid. All the other druids got killed off and you find out later in the series how that went down and, and how he survived that and stuff. But they're very important to the planet because they keep the planet healthy and they work with the elementals of the planet to make sure that life can kind of continue. And the gods and goddesses of the Irish plane need life to continue on the planet or else they will cease to exist. Because remember, the only reason they exist <laughs> is because they achieved, they were human, but they achieved godlike status. It's important to them. So they're into Druid. So she wants the last Druid to, to keep going, essentially. So she's in it to help. There's all sorts of other goddesses that show up. The Morrigan. The Morrigan is hysterical. Which I appreciate, you know, being a similar name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the Morgan is like a, basically a Valkyrie, essentially. Like she hangs out with other Valkyries. She turns into the Battle Crow and she is the chooser of the slain for the Celtic Pantheon. Uh, she's, I don't know, sort of described as like milky white skin, dark hair, goddess-like body, blah, blah, blah. Everything you would about expect. About what you would expect a goddess to look like. Especially yeah, a Celtic yeah. goddess. You know, you mm-hmm. either want the black hair, blue eyes, Celtic goddess, or you want the redhead, right? Like, those are the two options. She She's described as that, and she is a very interesting character throughout the series, but she has agreed to not ever take Atticus. So it's not that he can't... And that's an exchange for his super magic secret... Uh, necklace, necklace. Mm-hmm. mojo yeah like, she wants to know how it's made yeah so he's got this necklace that so okay so iron is bad for Faye for for all yeah i mean that's pretty common for for a lot of yeah books that have fairies in them exactly he, iron no good but he's a druid so he's human so he's not he's not Faye, so he can have it so he bound the iron in his necklace to his aura and then also made basically what I would des- describe as keyboard shortcuts for his spells that are in the little charms that are on his necklace. You can actually go and buy his necklace online so you can see what it looks like oh, if you want to. You know? Oh, that's cool. I need to go Google that. Like, yeah, one th- minute. There's also a Harry Dresden pentacle necklace that you can buy if you're into that. Cute. It's the same company that does both of them. Yeah, so he has this. And so the Morgan, because the Tuatha Danann, who are the Celtic gods, were human, they aren't actually fae themselves. So they can touch iron. Like you can use iron. You can, they can hold it. They can wield it. And mm-hmm. so she wants to know how this necklace is made because it's gotten him out of a lot of scrapes and it makes all the bad guy fae leave him alone because if they, if he even touches a fae, they just disintegrate. It's fantastic. So he's got like this super powerful charm that took him like, I think he said 700 years to even figure out how to make it happen. Yeah. And then like a whole bunch of other years to like actually make it happen. So she wants this. So she trades to him that she will never take him. That doesn't mean he can't die because other gods exist in this world. And that is something that I love about yeah. this series. Although it's also a complaint about this series that all the gods exist in this series like they talk about thor jesus and mary they, they talk about everybody there's indian gods and goddesses in this series there's um asian gods and goddesses japanese ones that come up later so it's a really cool series if you like to learn sort of urban fantasy level god lore 
Yeah. Um, yeah like it's it, fun to see it integrated with modern life. Yes. Like, that's cool. Yeah. And it would make you go read the Wikipedia article on them and then you would know actually what happens. So she wants this. So she trades him that he can die because there are other death gods, like for example, death could come and take him. So as long as he's not around any of them when he dies, he can't effectively die. So as long as you, he's not around any of those guys and, and he can get help fast enough or draw from the earth fast enough, he, he can't essentially be taken to the Irish plains which is a interesting plot device in this entire series. I, I think I actually did read this series a long time ago. Mm-hmm. It feels familiar enough that it I must have. Like I had to have read it at some point, but it was fun to rediscover. It's, it's really amazing how much you forget a book when it's been years since you read it. That's cool. That's it's it's fun to to reread books. It's totally worth it, surprisingly. Yeah. But I think I don't do it often enough. At least not purposefully. <laughs> yeah. It was really cool how he integrates all of these different gods and mythologies and pantheons. I think that's part of the appeal of urban fantasy is seeing like, well, what if Yeah, totally. What if all of these things were real and still here and you know, so on. And how does that integrate with our world our current modern life technology etc so I, I think that's one of the biggest like draws yeah for urban fantasy you can imagine your life right now yeah but magic that's why i like it like you know it lets you walk down it's like uh it's like when you play tony hawk pro skater 4 and then you think you can skateboard after i've that. never done that but i'm gonna take your word for it you should try it it's actually really fun or if you play grand theft auto also you think that you can just jack cars and like rip people out of their cars and throw them on the ground and take their car like it's amazing <laughs> i'm playing video games they're violent anyway so but if you play Tony Hawk like you'll walk down the street going I could totally ramp off that and then I could totally you know pull slide down this and I could do that and I could hop this and I could do a a 360 off that and you feel that way but like urban fantasy does that for me except for like I walk down the street and I'm like werewolf vampire (laughs) Mm, succubus not sure Mm. It's interesting that you mentioned the whole like seeing things in real life after playing video games and how that changes your perception. Yeah. I actually got a lot of that after playing way too much Assassin's Creed. Mm -hmm. Like uh, I've played various different ones in the series, but there's so much gripping on to the sides of buildings and like climbing up them, which, oh my God, playing Assassin's Creed two was it while i was taking art history in college covering some of these super famous you know worlds monuments and things and literally having your character go climb them that was very very cool yeah totally tangent thing but i can really appreciate like history in video games so good prince of persia is awesome for that too because you can like wall you feel like you can wall run and then you're like oh but that's actually a real place and oh i wonder if i could wall run on that real place because that'd be really awesome it's so cool (laughs) i don't I don't know that I have the stamina or energy to figure out how to actually do any of these things, but it is fun to look at it and go, ah, oh, I can totally see how you could grab that and then pull yourself uh-huh. up there. And then- <laughs> yep. uh, I have a funny side story of this nature. I've been playing Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild for three and a half years now. Like I, I, I'm not done. I ha- I'm actually deliberately not finishing the game so I can go do all the side quests and stuff like that. And in this game, have you played this game? 
I have not, no. Okay. In this game, you can pick up any rock at any point and there might be something underneath it. And that something might be money. It might be like a precious- I think it should be bugs. It should be nothing but bugs. Sometimes it is bugs. Sometimes it's a beetle, but like, or sometimes it's a lizard or some like commodity, which you can then harvest and use to make potions or whatever. But also sometimes there are these little things called Koraks and they give you a seed. And if you get enough of these seeds, you can trade them in for more slots. So you can get have more armor or more, you know, weapons or whatever. And so there's this person down the street from my house who, you know, that weird space between the sidewalk and the street that you still own, but you can't really do anything with that, you know? Yeah, yeah. In it, they have five gigantic rocks that are just sitting one right in a row. And I just keep going, God, I want to pick those up so bad. <laughs> <laughs> like every time we take a, a, a walk, because uh, we go walking every night. So every time we pass it, I'm just like, mm, I wonder if there's a Korok seed. Under there. <laughs> <laughs> and they make this funny little noise when they appear. They go, ha ha ha. And so... <laughs> Every time I'm like, ha ha ha. Oh, so cute. It's been a long yeah. time since I've really like let myself get lost in a video game. Guess who has time now? Yeah, but I've got stuff Just to do. Just do it. No, you have to give yourself time to also be like a fun person who does fun things. It what enriches you your life. About? No one is a fun person ever. <laughs> it enriches your life. It enriches your experiences and it'll make you feel good. No, that's true. Be- I, I am holding out for, oh gosh, what was it? It's the video game that has, like, the girl in the future, and there's giant robots that look like dinosaurs, but they're actually robots. Um, Gosh, gosh, gosh. It's so good. Horizon Dawn. Horizon Zero. Yes, Horizon Zero Dawn. There we go. (laughs) I got there. It took me a while. Anyways, the new one's coming out. Oh, fun. I'm so, I'm so excited. Is it a PC game? Mm, We played it on, I think... PS4 before. Why do you need two copies? What? Why do you need two copies? It depends on the multiplayer game. We heard that it was going to be co-op and we don't know yet whether it's going to be couch co-op, in which case we can just play off of one copy. But if it is going to be a multi-game needed in order to play together thing, we've already decided like we're just going to go ahead and go for it. Does that mean you mean need two consoles? Yes. Oh. Which is the exact first thing that I brought up to him. I was like, doesn't that mean we need two PS4s or fives? I don't, I don't know. Whatever platform they decide to release it on. PS27. Yeah. PS25. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. If we end up needing to get two, we'll get two. Although right now the PS5, isn't that like fancy and new and like not available to get anywhere? I th- yeah, I think so, because Chris just got one of those new Xbox things, and they release them at the same time. Mm-hmm. His thing looks like the monolith from 2001. It's ridiculous. It's massive and black and a giant, like, what is that called? Not a rectangle and not a cube. A rectangle that is 3D. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's yeah, a, no, I'll it's take a, it. A it's, a cube ta- it's a cube tangle. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so um, I guess a, a cube is still a rectangle. I guess a oh, box. Yeah, it's it's anyway, it's a giant thing. It's black and he's enjoying it. And he's moved his other old one, the X bone, I think he called it like the Xbox One X or something. I, the, the one before this, he's moved it up to the bedroom for me. And I'm like, hi, I'm here on my switch. First of all, I can't use that thing because they switched the A and B buttons. Like they're in the opposite spot. And I'm like, okay, well, no, we're done here. Like there's, that's I'm never going to unlearn that. So yeah, I hate the X moves <laughs> on different platforms depending on Put them all in the same place. (laughs) Like, why is this hard, guys? Nintendo is like, I think, I think the PlayStation used to be the same as the Nintendo and they switched to be like the Xbox, like in this one, in this PS5 or maybe it was PS4. I don't know. Anyway, but they also have, 
I'm, you know, it's whatever your jump move is, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, he, he got one of those. So I'm pretty sure the PlayStation 5 is brand new also right now and probably pretty expensive. But you should yeah, get one anyway. I think not just expensive, but also like super limited quality quantity. So it's really hard for folks to get a hold of. And I feel like I heard complaints about people buying up like 50 of them so they could resell them at double the price, like that kind of stuff which shouldn't be possible. Also, hello, everyone. Welcome to our new podcast, Ladies Who Game. <laughs> We're going to put out two episodes a year at most. And they will be hidden inside Ladies Who Genre podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. Occasionally, we like to wander off. <laughs> I was just talking to Morgan before this started about, like, is there anything I need to do better? Like, should I not wander off so much? And like, first thing I do, bye. <laughs> no, wandering off is yeah. the best. That's how you find new things, and it's great. It's good. Yeah, I'm a fan. Yes. All right, but where were we if we do try to get back on back on? I have no idea. We had a witch that was trying, like, was triple crossing. Like, basically, a bunch of stuff happens in this book, and then there's a big boss fight. (laughs) Yeah, it's a fluffy book, guys. Like, it is meant to be fluffy, which is nice. Yeah, I guess there's ways to complain about something being kind of light and fluffy because it means that like, yeah, it's a little bit shallow. It's not a, not a huge, in-depth, crazy amount of detail, world building, epic, but it's not meant to be. It's meant to be kind of a, a fluffy little urban yeah. fantasy. Yes. <laughs> First and book. this series is only like, I think it's eight or nine books because I, I think it's eight because eight is like a magic number in Celtic tradition or maybe it's nine. I don't know. Anyway, so um, there's that many books and that's it. But they, it's, it has a path, like the entire book series has a path. And so this book is, you know, it gives you a standalone story, but it also is there to design to set you on this path. Like, for example, they tell you how everybody thinks Thor is an asshole, but Thor doesn't arrive in this book at all. But you can tell that later in this book series, Thor is going to, it's not all set up or anything, but it's definitely like, eh, it's one part of nine for sure. And the whole series is very fluffy. And that's part of the reason I actually really like it. It's very fun, especially after just slogging through 17 books of Dresden Files or whatever we just did. I feel like this is the antidote to the Dresden Files because it's the exact same snarky, all-powerful, super awesome, cool wizard guy, except this guy is like fluffmodious, 100%. Because like, it's not as deep or catastrophic or what I mean the the books do get more that way but after the dozen files it's a nice like little piece of marshmallow yeah we went from dozen files which is has its light moments but definitely a lot of serious as well and -hmm. then we went to sandman which is darkly serious with like five percent like flecks of humor tossed in there yeah (laughs) real dark and then the this, which is, it's it's almost it's, bizarrely fluff and sweet. It's all fun. Like yeah. this whole book is, that's the way I would describe this book. It is just fun. Like for people who want something light and easy to read, you will read this. It's only like an eight hour audio book. You will read, if you got buy this in a book format, you will read this in two days. If you buy this in an audio book, you will probably listen to it in two days. It's not a huge commitment. It is a great start to a series. It's a great standalone of its own if you don't want to continue the series, but I do recommend the series. It's very good and the interesting thing about the series is it does not end how you think it would end oh yeah there's a very a very it doesn't end the way that i think an american audience would want it to end oh interesting all right yeah well so i know that you've read like the whole the whole series of this book 
mm-hmm. of this. You've read, yeah, my goodness, you've read all of the books in this yeah. series. I can talk. Mm-hmm. But in just this first book, do you have any particular favorite characters that are introduced? Yeah, so I love the Morgan and I love Oberon, the Thank dog. Thank you. I also yeah. love me and I also love dogs. <laughs> <laughs> I think Uh, the Morgan is such an interesting character because like she's supposed to be super dark and scary and evil like not evil but definitely like her her it's like death right like it's a necessary thing that needs to happen in life and she's kind of scary but also she's a little cuddly and you kind of want to give her like you know you know how I love the queen because she looks so angry all the time and I just want to cuddle I feel that way about the Morrigan as well I do really love the the basically sidekick character is essentially yeah. what Oberon the dog is uh, mm-hmm. Oberon is a wolfhound which is a type of sight hound so if you go like google Irish wolfhound right now mm-hmm. in case you don't already have like a mental picture of what they are it's kind of like a greyhound that got real fluffy yeah, and they're massive. They are yeah, so they're, they're a friend good, like them. six inches taller than a ground. And grounds are already real tall yeah. dogs. They look re- like they're they're ridiculously big dogs, and they are descended from battle hounds, which are dogs that I, the Celts used to take into battle, and their job was to just like rip other things apart. And they've been bred into the sweetest dog. Like if you ever saw a wolfhound in real, like I have a friend who has a pair of them and they are the sweetest dogs and they have no idea how huge they are. It's very funny because they try to, it's, you know how like cats are with that. If I fits, I sits wolfhounds try to do that too, except they are wildly unrealistic about how small (laughs) their butt isn't. And so they will try to sit in your Amazon package, but they are the size of a human being. It's very amusing. So cute. I'm into yeah. it. I like it. Yeah. My my greyhounds are not adventurous about sizing. If they see a space that totally fits them but doesn't actually fit two of them, they're like, no, I'm not gonna even bother. I'm like, oh come oh, on. Yeah, greyhounds are smarter. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't wanna. The thing about Oberon that I find so amusing is that they didn't, I mean, they let him talk, but he doesn't talk like a human or he he talks like a human, but he doesn't think like a human. So it's very amusing because like he's very sausage motivated. And so you can basically get him to do anything you want. If you can just, he, he needs Scooby snacks. He's Scooby-Doo. That's effectively oh, yeah, yeah, what this absolutely. is. He's just Scooby-Doo. Um, someone pointed out in one of the criticisms I was reading that like the Iron Druid gives him both coffee and tea. And those are both absolutely toxic to dogs. Like they shouldn't, that the caffeine is like the same thing as chocolate to them. So they shouldn't yeah, be having not good for them. Caffeine. Yeah. But I'm like, he's also a Druid. And he's feeding his dog this thing that's going to make his dog live longer. So probably yeah, it comes out in the magical wash. Like, coffee and tea. Yeah, like, yeah, why don't sure. you calm down a little bit, criticism guy. So, um, but yeah, like, basically Oberon is just, like, silly at all times. He He's occasionally extremely scared, but that's not normal. He mostly just wants to, like, act like a dog, but one who can talk, yeah. which is very fun. And, and dogs get scared. That's fine. I feel like him being motivated by sausages, very fine, very good, very on point for a dog-based character. Um, I didn't love the the constant poodles. No, that's really gross. Over and over being like, you you owe me poodles for this. I'm like, excuse me? Because that's like a person saying, you owe me some cheerleaders after this. Like, ugh. Yeah, yeah. It's real gross. It's real gross. There's actually a few things that I found kind of gross. Like, Again, this is a story that was written, you know, 15 years ago before people were paying attention to stuff like this more than we are now. So there is like a kind of zeitgeist about it, but like not to excuse it. It's just like one of those things. But 
he also has like either sex with or makes out with three different goddesses over the course of three different days. And I'm like, that's a little bit like indulgent for the author to put that in there. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, we, you started we, to talk about it earlier, but like he is absolutely a Mary Sue type character. Yeah. He's yeah. awesome and perfect and amazing. And everything he does is the best. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and if he fails, it's not actually failure. It's nothing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, also, someone said that the, the banter is very, like, juvenile for a 2,100-year-old character. And I'm just like, you know what? Maybe so. But also, like, if you're 2,100 years old, maybe you're a little slap-happy at this point And you're just like, screw it. I'm just going to be sarcastic and and witty all the time because I can because I'm smarter than everyone because not because I'm actually have an I higher IQ or anything but just because I've seen things for 2100 years and you can do like math right so like I I don't know I I to that those particular people who are criticized I'm like whatever I like this book well, so <laughs> I I did actually have a thought about that because I I think I texted you after the first chapter two chapters I don't know especially after coming off of Dresden Files, which makes a very big deal out of wizards who age and the, the differences in their character, which makes sense, right? Like someone yeah. who's 80 often behaves differently than someone who is 20, right? Yep. So it, yep. it makes sense logically to us that if you were to be able to live longer, you would act a little bit more differently as you got older and older. So Dresden Files definitely kind of makes us a thing, especially since they have so many characters, the, the Fae who used to be human sort of uh, who, who are now you know thousands of years old and they they act very differently after having all this age all this life experience so it yeah. was absolutely like whiplash to mm -hmm. start into this series where you have this guy who's like oh yeah yeah i'm 2000 years old and he's acting he's literally acting like someone who's you know in his young 20s it it's yeah bizarre and it makes me wonder so i i thought about this at first i was like no i mm, i don't know that i like this but you know what maybe it's the tea if the tea yeah. is keeping his body young maybe it's also literally physically keeping his brain young so he yeah. might be able to remember these experiences but he isn't uh emotionally developed enough yet like you would you know because like, i think like 25 ish mm -hmm. is supposed to be where your brain is like fully developed so maybe that's part of the problem is that it's keeping his brain young. So he might remember all of these past experiences, but not actually have the quite fully adult emotional capability to integrate them. So yes, he might be badass physically. He has all this knowledge that he's collected, but it's not the same thing as emotionally reacting to situations correctly. I don't think he's not emotionally reacting to them correctly, though. Like, I'm pretty bantery sassy, and I, I'm 43, and I will be bantery sassy when I'm 80. So maybe he was just bantery sassy, and then, like, he's had 2,100 years to perfect that. Like, go the opposite way. He's been working on this so long that he's got to come back for everything at this point. So, like, maybe, maybe it's what keeps him mentally young is to be able to be bantery and sassy and all the things that he is. Like... I don't think it's a it's a defect in some ways. I think it might be an like an attribute to be able to sort of be able to roll with it. Nah, man, it's the tea. Okay, <laughs> fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> I I did really really like the Earth Power thing though. It felt very almost like modern paganism. I feel like yeah. that's kind of a focus on being able to be on the earth and, you know, centering yourself with kind of like this, this whole mental meditation 
situation that involves connecting your body to the earth and like imagining branching out. This all feels very much like what I read for kind of modern meditation and pagan beliefs. So it's kind of cool to see that he has like a physical earth touch based energy power. I'd love to hear more about that. You should definitely read the rest of the series because he talks about it in great detail. In fact, Granuel, who you meet at, like during the book, who's this barmaid that you meet, um, she becomes his apprentice and you do see her through until like this book series takes like 20 is 20 years long in its like length of time that happens in the series so you do get to see her go through her 12 years of training and become a druid and then what she does with that so it's not really meditation when they're drawing their power though it's more that they have these tattoos that were given to them during a meditative event that happened it takes five months because you get your entire body tattooed like there are tattoos on the bottom of your foot all the way to the back of your hand like and they connect the entire way And so he just has to touch the earth with that in order to like zap in power. There's a ton of other things he does that are super meditative like that. Like he will commune at some point in this series with the elementals. Like if he goes to a different place, he like right now, I think he's in Sonora, the Sonora desert or whatever. So the elemental there is the Sonora is Sonora, but he goes to Colorado meets the the desert person there like he goes to all these different places throughout the series and like greets the elemental and gets and makes friends with them because the elemental can do things like he can't do but he can like he can convince them like hey i would like you to literally move that mountain and the elemental's like sure thing boss and just moves the mountain because like the surface of the planet is no big deal to an elemental so it's very interesting how that mechanic works. And I find it absolutely fascinating. His tattoos are absolutely critical to his existence and his ability to do things. So there are tattoos that at some points in this series get marred and it causes him to not be able to, to use some of his powers. Because that was literally going to be my very next question. It was like, yep. do they talk about what happens if he gets like a cut? Because like yes. he has a sword, his enemies have swords. There's lots of fighting going on. Uh, what happened yeah. if like a line is broken it's like a supernatural somebody broke the line in the salt and the demon yeah. gets in Dangerous. that's kind of what happens and like like i said the end of the book is not the one you'd expect things happen in the book that make you go oh shit all right yeah <laughs> <laughs> and then they just mic drop book series over there are um also like short novella books that go with this and like short stories and stuff like that. And I don't think he will leave the Iron Druid series forever. Like I think he will come back and write more about it. So I don't think the mic drop on that is going to mean you don't get the information about what happens to him. You'll probably just get it through someone else because uh, I mean, there's a lot of stuff in these eight books. Like it's crazy. There's other that you find out about other Druids stuff, you know, like it's, it's a big deal. So it's actually super interesting. And I, I love the mechanic of the tattoos and the earth power and stuff like that too. That made me really happy. So what else did you love about this book? I, I did really like the like whole tea slash occult bookshop slash, <laughs> you know, yeah. apothecary on the side. Like, this feels exactly like every pagan bookstore I've ever visited. Yeah. <laughs> Especially any of them that was like part cafe, part pagan bookstore. And I've visited a lot of them. So it I can totally picture exactly what this place is. And that doesn't stop me from wanting to visit it anyway. <laughs> so, you know, it's, you know, it's really fun. You can absolutely visit it. These places are all real. So the author lives where this is set. 
and he wrote about places. So if you like Rulabula, the bar that Granuel works at, you can go there and have the fish and chips there and have a Tullamardu. If you want to go to Third Eye Books, you can go there and visit it. It exists. Oh, but I'd have to go to Arizona. That is true. That is that is a true true fact and exactly the opposite place from which you live. Does he <laughs> ever write about Seattle? <laughs> Nobody does write oh. about Vancouver. Uh, all right. I'll take it. It's still Washington State. When when he's no not that vancouver oh, the actual see, vancouver every time people say vancouver i'm like because you're yeah, wrong the one that's in the same state no as me. canada Mm-mm. the one that's in the same state as me no no one knows about that one we all know about the canadian the canadian one dang the canadian canada. one <laughs> dang you canada he talks in in future in the book series he does talk about his like other personalities like not his, his other personas that he is throughout history so you find out Nigel from Vancouver uh, like his other identities because he yeah his other change because he doesn't age right <laughs> yep <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it's it's a cool sounding place like yeah. his shop and the what is it like the what are they hunting longhorn bighorn sheep bighorn sheep that's right. That sounds neat. I don't know that I saw any bighorn sheep before. That sounds cool. I found that series. So at one point, one of the Celtic goddesses, the one, the goddess of the hunt, who is Bress, shows up. Is that right? Sounds right. She takes Atticus and Oberon out on a hunt. And Atticus has the ability to turn into a wolfhound. So he turns into a wolfhound and they go out on a hunt, him and Oberon. And they actually address the concept of agency because the Celtic goddess of the hunt can essentially puts them both under her prowess, her power, her hunt Mm -hmm. power or whatever, and gets them to do things that they would never have done before. And I thought that was a really interesting topic to discuss using a dog as the mechanic for it Mm -hmm. because she basically tells them like go kill this man and they go kill this man this is like an inconsequential part of the story although this is not a spoiler free podcast so they kill this man and then uh, Oberon does the final deed and then he snaps out of it later like out of her control and ends up like kind of like oh my god did I really kill this man I'm so sorry I didn't mean to blah blah and everybody's like no 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 it wasn't your fault she did this to you blah 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 and he felt so bad about doing it it's interesting to go from like the amount of fluff that is in this book to talking about agency in this like really yeah serious scent and like yeah these very interesting topics and then go right back over to poodles which yeah yeah Exactly. It's it's very, and there's a lot of this in this book series where he will address pretty serious uh, topics in a way that's very easy to understand because he uses a different mechanic. In this case, like he uses he uses a dog to describe what happened to him, and you're like, oh, I see what you did there. It's like he gets to have a little private commentary about some things without you really knowing about it until you stop and go, wait a minute. So I thought I thought that was a a neat way to like put a little nutty flavor into this fluff. <laughs> is, it, is it a a, a nougat? It's it's a, it's a nougat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Goodness. All right. I think I'm I'm ready for speed round. All right. So if you had to give this book a rating, what rating would you give it? I think I'd give it a three, and that's not <laughs> a like bad three. It's a like it's a good medium book. Sure. And like I I gets a medium rating. All right. That's totally fair. Yeah. It, it, despite it being my third favorite book series, I think I give it somewhere between a 4 and a 4.5 because I read it because it's fluff. It's not, it's there to, it's a, It's essentially this book series is a palate cleanser for me. So traditionally what happens is I will schlog my way through all of Harry Potter 
and I will feel gut-wrenched. And then, because I'm like a glutton for punishment, I will roll right into the Dresden Files and read through that three months of craziness. Harry Wizard 1, Harry Wizard 2, all right. Yeah, and then I will go, okay, I need... I need something that is familiar and comforting right now. And I'm not ready to move on to a new book because usually I read these two things when I read a whole bunch of new books. So then I'll roll through the Iron Druid Chronicles in order to like cleanse my palate a little bit. And so that's what I use this book series for. So I give it, I I still give it a really high rating. Like I still, I love this book series. I think it's fun. I think this first book represents the series, but I'm going to tell you this whole series really needs to be read as a whole. Like it is, it is a very good series when viewed from 50,000 foot level, like the whole thing. Do you think it's worth a reread? Yes, I guess. I I don't know that it has a lot of depth. And I suspect that if you were to just kind of like go into the next book, you know, maybe in a couple months, I, I don't feel like you'd be lost and wondering what's going on. No, this you wouldn't. Like the kind of book and the kind of author that would do that thing where they like, reintroduce any concepts that like you need to know you know what I mean like the, yeah, the way yeah. the dress doll does the way that the in yeah. series, you know the way they all do um Harry Potter even like will reintroduce yeah. topics that like you need to know for that book so no I don't know <laughs> it's funny because would I you re- but would would you reread it in like 10 years Maybe. I, I feel like if I ever got kind of like a little wiggle into my brain and decided that I wanted to reread the series, uh-huh. then yeah, like obviously okay. you'll start with the first book. And I know it's funny because we literally talked earlier about like, hey, I think I actually did read this before because it feels familiar, but I completely forgot it. So it was fun to yeah. read it again. So I don't know, maybe, maybe in another 10 years, I will have forgotten that I already read it, at which point I will reread it. You could also just listen to this podcast. Could yep. <laughs> Would you recommend this book to a friend? Maybe. I Ooh, honestly, I think okay. I need to read the rest of the series. Okay. Before I firmly decide, because if if I read the rest of the series, I decide, oh no, I changed my mind. No mm-hmm. good. <laughs> yeah. By the itself, like let's say this, there wasn't the rest of the series. Uh-huh. This was just a book all by itself. I'd be like, eh, skip it. Okay. So then the next question is, if there were other books in the series, would you want to read them? Uh, yeah, even though it is totally fluff, and I do feel a little bit like this first book was kind of like the first season of a show mm-hmm. where everybody is just like a, a little bit, a little bit of a character of themselves. Like because you mm-hmm. don't have the full story yet, you just have the here's how we want to introduce them. That's all you get, yeah. right? Like the yeah. first of the Dresden series is not the greatest book of the no. series uh, no. so i i could totally see this being a series that gets better with with more yeah. books and more background in the same way though that i read the dresden files and then i realized that the bo- first book wasn't the best book in the series i also feel like it's still a really good book like that first book of the dresden files is really good and the first book of this is still a really good read and yeah. And then you go on and you go, oh, man, that sucked compared to all this other stuff. So like, it's sort of a, you don't know until you know kind of situation. All right. Are you ready for speed round? Let's do it. If this book were a smell, what smell would it be? Oh, part of me wants to say Aquavit because that is what <laughs> is nearby. Um, oh, what were those three trees? Oh, it was like holly, yew, and oak. Oak, maybe, yeah. Maybe, yeah. I feel like a good earthy tree smell would be yeah. what I would call this. Yeah. Yeah. 
If you could go back in time and give this book to yourself at a certain age, what age would you be? Oh, that's actually a great question. Because I, I do feel like it's maybe a little bit younger for me mm-hmm. than I would prefer. I feel yeah. like this would be a really great book for someone in like mid-teens, like 15, 16. Mm-hmm. Old yeah. enough that like you don't feel too weird about giving them a book that totally mentions sex. Uh, yeah. But it, yeah, it's super non-descriptive. Yeah, like 15, 16. Great age for this. If you could perform one cool druid spell, what spell would that be? Uh, heal myself. Like how, like, that'd be great. Anytime that like you're having period pain, being able to be yeah. like, whoop, done. It's gone. Gone. No more Bye. pain. Uh, or headaches or anything. If you could just heal yourself by going outside and putting a barefoot on the ground, that would be so good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking about the car- carpet cleaning costs. Of like coming back inside. I don't I mean, actually I have, even have carpet. I don't know why I would care. Yeah, but, but I have dogs that literally go outside in their bare feet and then come yep. right back inside in their bare feet. So, you know, we just yep. we just vacuum a lot. Yeah. If you could change any one thing about this book, what would it be? Don't mention the poodles. Like okay. literally keep everything else the same. Keep him sausage motivated. I'm into it. That's fine. Just take out the poodles. And I think yeah. that would make me happy. Yeah. Three words to describe this book. Oh, like old world. I realize that's two words, but as a concept. It's fine. You know? Old dash world. <laughs> old dash world. <laughs> One word. Hyphen. Very good. Uh, Aquavit. No. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, it is very Celtic. Celtic-y. Uh, yep. You know, kind of Irish themed. So Celtic is a good second word. And then yep. thirdly... I feel like I need another word for supernatural. I really like their particular mix of like introducing a bunch of supernatural type characters right away. Again, still going through the supernatural TV show because it's 15 seasons long. So maybe that's also just kind of on the braid. Are you listening to a supernatural podcast at all? I am. Oh, which one? Oh, uh, I think it's the monster of the week. Is what uh-huh. I'm listening to, which is fun. Every once in a while, I when I get into a series, uh, I will find a podcast that goes through episode by episode to talk about it. Yeah, mm-hmm. which is fun because sometimes you don't have like a, a friend to talk and like uh, gush over. Have a it. podcast with about it. Yeah. So instead, <laughs> <laughs> sometimes you can just yeah. listen to a podcast that talks about each episode, yeah. which is really fun. So yeah, totally listening so you- to podcasts. Do you stay in sync? No, no, no. I'm already several, several seasons ahead. I'm in season nine, ten. Okay. Uh, and it wasn't until then that I was like, I kind of want to also listen to a podcast about this. Yeah. Which I think is in season two right now. Like, or let me rephrase. I am in season two of where the mm-hmm. podcast is. But right. it's fun. It's neat. I've been contemplating watch rewatching Buffy because Buffy was like an uh, Buffy came out just for everyone's edification here as I was leaving for college. So like it is a formidable show that hit me in the feels exactly at the age that you needed to be to hit, hit you in the field super hard for, for Buffy. Like, and it was, it was the first television show. It was a mid season pickup. 
that I was expecting the other show and I walked in and saw this and I was like, what is this? There's a body count. This is amazing. And like I was in it from episode one. So now I'm kind of considering rewatching Buffy because I haven't seen it in like 15 years okay. and watching it with a podcast and staying in step with it. I've never seen Buffy. <gasps> <laughs> I think I watched one episode enough to know that there's a character named Spike who's very blonde. Uh-huh. Who yeah, I think Spike is James Marsters. Marsters. Yeah, so I only have like that connection yeah. because of <laughs> the, the uh-huh. Dresden Files. Um, this is why I read the Dresden Files this way. is because I was like, oh my God, James Marsters. I love Spike. And then I was like, holy crap, he's not speaking with a British accent. He's from Fresno, California. <laughs> but he speaks with a British accent in all of Buffy. Well, I mean, if you ever, if you decide that you want to do a episode along podcast, let me know. I'll be your, I am completely new to this partner. It'll be great. Wait a minute. You want to record a podcast about Buffy? Sure. Why not? Watching it 20. Uh, yeah, I'm into that. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you heard it here, folks. We're going to do this. I don't know when we're going to do it, but we're going to do this. It sounds like fun. Sure. Why yeah. not? I think you need to get through Supernatural first. Yeah. It's, it's really on my brain right now. I need to finish up yeah. that. And then we can start on Buffy. Yeah. And I feel like Buffy might seem super cheesed out after, because Supernatural is in that genre, right? Like those shows all came out because of each other. They're all like CW shows or whatever. And so Supernatural is like the natural ending, whereas Buffy is the natural beginning. So you might be like, wow, this is super cheesy, but it would be interesting to hear your hot take on that. Yeah. I, I will happily provide my Supernatural influence take on that. We can be ladies who Buffy. It'll be fantastic. (laughs) I'm into it. Yeah. Okay. All right. I I can even see the artwork right now with like dripping bangs. Oh, so good. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. Hey, Morgan. Mm-hmm. What are we reading next? Oh, we are reading Children of Blood and Bone by Tommy Adayami. Uh-huh. I, it looks so good. I'm really it excited. I think you guys are going to yeah. like it. Yeah. I feel like uh, it is a African-American author. It is a it is a black author. I believe so. And it's, it's definitely like an African influenced like setting. Yeah, so I am hyped for this book, um, especially after Rage of Dragons, where there's no dragons. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like hating on that book about that, but then also actually really liking that book. Like oh, yeah. I was like shocked the- at how much I liked that book, given how much I was hating on that book while I was reading that book. So the, I- the setting is so cool. If you if you go through literally your entire life having all these stories about like a very European centric you know yeah. fantasy story, it's so cool to see a completely different landscape. Yeah, it. yeah. I mean, honestly, that's I mean, Black Panther is one of the reasons is that you get to see this other, like, sci-fi based place that is decidedly not based on your heritage, and it's amazing. Mm-hmm. I like it. So I'm excited to read this book too. Alrighty, so I have some homework for you guys. Uh, the first thing is, of course, rating this book on your purchase platform. If you did read the Iron Druid Chronicles and you liked it, go ahead and give it a rating on your purchase book platform. Go ahead and rate this podcast as well and follow us on Instagram at Ladies Who Genre, all one word. So I told you a story, a tale.